Hi, this is The Book Show with me, Owen Colfer. Tonight, two writers of best-selling children's books. We'll share our stories about writing for children and chat through what works and what doesn't work. I think bold girls, when something's like missing, they can like figure out where is it. Bold girls can fix things. Bold girls can solve mysteries. Why aren't there more positive role models for young female readers? Bold Girls from Children's Books Ireland is set to change that by inspiring those young readers. We'll also hear from Oscar-nominated director Nora Toomey about the book which has inspired her latest film, The Breadwinner. When Pravana's father is arrested and taken away, her family are left with no one to provide for them. So Pravana cuts her hair and dresses as a boy in order to provide for her family. So stay with us as we celebrate the fun and the diversity of children's books. I am absolutely delighted to be joined from a studio in Brighton by the best-selling children's writer Liz Pichon. Her action-packed books depict the chaotic life of schoolboy Tom Gates since 2011. They have sold in their truckloads millions. Liz, if there's anyone out there who hasn't heard of Tom Gates, I think there's a couple of guys on Craggy Island. Can you, can you introduce him and his world to us? <laughs> um... So Tom is roughly about sort of nine, ten-year-old boy, and he's very enthusiastic, and he's not really naughty. He just gets very easily distracted by things, particularly caramel wafers and drawing and doodling. And he's got a very grumpy sister called Delia, teenage sister Delia, and he's got uh, the fossils, who are his grandparents. And it's just the tiny little details of family life, really, and school life and his friends, things that most children can recognise, hopefully. I wanted to ask you a supplementary question that might sound to uh, unbelievers very un-PC, but can you tell us about your shoes? <laughs> well, it's the drawing and the doodling, you see. So when I went and started to do um, school events, particularly the style of drawing that I do for the books is, is something that I kind of develops for the character of Tom Gates because the books that I used to do in the past were very sort of painted and um and then I noticed that when you go into a school events that all the, the kids are all sitting on the floor and I just thought it would be fun to start. First of all, I drew on my nails. So I just drew little characters and things on my nails because when you're signing books, you know, the kids notice your nails. And then I thought I'll draw on a pair of shoes and it's kind of been become a bit of a thing. And I reckon I could probably sell as many shoes as I could books. <laughs> I think you could. I mean, everywhere I went, people were talking about Liz's shoes and her dress in general. I think you had a skirt the day I met you, which was all uh, Tom Gates. I really like the idea as well that kids can draw in the books and children that don't think that they could draw, they copy the doodles and then they can draw on other things as well. So it's just like a progression that, you know, you, you find characters that you like and actually you can do, I put lots of creative things in the books as well. So I like that idea that it carries on through and me when they see that I draw on things, then they get the idea to go off and do things themselves as well. It's a great encouragement because usually kids are told not to draw on things. So to be told, here's a book, draw on it, I think uh, that's absolutely fantastic. I'm also joined by the author of the Darkmouth fantasy series, Shane Hegarty. I've known Shane since his twins were only one. <laughs> and is now... And he, so his twins are now five and Shane has slept a total of eight hours yeah. in the last four years. Um, Shane, <laughs> can you tell me about your hero, Finn, uh, who was 12 when I last read him? He's probably moved on a little bit. He, he has a little bit. So Finn is the last in a very, very, very long line of legend hunters who are there to keep out myths of legend who keep invading his town. The last town on earth where this still happens. But he doesn't want to be 
a legend hunter. He just wants to have a normal life and be left alone. But his dad turns yeah. out to be really fantastic at it. Um, and he has a friend, Emmy, who comes to the town of Dartmouth, who wants all this excitement and adventure that yeah. he doesn't want. And over the course of the four books so far, obviously things have changed a little bit. He's about to turn 14. He's got some nastiness waiting for him around the corner, as always seems to be waiting for him. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting because you can't even, he may have started off not wanting to do it, but you know, I've kind of had a look at well, what would happen if he maybe gets a little bit too confident, as sometimes happens as you become uh, slightly older as a boy. So he's taken on the mantle now. He's taken on the mantle, but maybe not always making the right decisions. Yeah. Uh, maybe the, he's, his, his heart is in the right place, but sometimes his skills aren't. Uh, Liz, can I come back to you? Can I ask you about <laughs> your method of actually um, creating the book? Because it's quite unusual yeah. how you physically put your, your books together, isn't it? Well, I really am an, you know, I'm a, an illustrator or I was a graphic designer, really, that came to illustrating books because I started to get asked to illustrate other people's stories. So really, Tom Gates actually started off as a picture book idea in the beginning and gradually, you know, it's, it got sent out and then sent back again. And people said they liked the look of it, but they didn't think there was enough of a story. So I kind of I'd never written for older children before. So I didn't really know how to do it, you know, how to go about doing it. So I did it in a very visual way. And I hand write all the pages and put all the different types of fonts. And because I'd done picture books before, I was very keen to try and get those moments of page turning moments in the books. People don't realise the work involved in that. No, it it does take quite a long time. And the kids read them in about 10 minutes and then say, you know, when's the next one? But I I was really keen to try and bring all the sort of those visual elements that you try and do in picture books into the books for slightly older children. So I handwrite them all. And I do use a Word document as well, but I'm always constantly thinking of visually how it's going to look. And that's why I use the different fonts and, you know, all the little extra drawings and doodles because it's a... I wanted to do something. It's another way of telling a story so that the kids can get into it very quickly. Because it feels really organic, you know, and alive, the whole, the pages do. And I think that's because you just hand do everything. The three of us, I think, uh, have created a character whose popularity has increased over a series of books. I find that a real challenge because you have to tread the line between being true to your own creativity and giving the readers a little bit uh, of what they want. Uh, Shane, do you have Mm. any ideas or how have you managed to do that I should say funny even when you're writing in fantasy as I am trying to kind of keep it grounded in some sort of reality and even though I didn't grow up fighting legends of myth anywhere outside of my own head you know I I try and take even the relationship that Finn has with his father which is so important from what I see around or how I have been as a father so a lot of the idea of Finn being pushed into this world where he's being pushed in front of a minotaur, which is where we first meet him, sort of being chased by a minotaur down the street, is actually based on what I see on football pitches of fathers pushing their kind of kids going, no, you want to play, and the kid going, I don't want to do it. And I was, you know, I was one of those fathers at one stage. That's very good. So in in some ways, I think I find that if I try and imagine, well, what you still try and keep it grounded in that reality of what it's like and the kind of silliness of life and the surreality especially when you're 12, 13 uh, years old if I can feed off those and then throw some monsters at it I hope yeah. it's sort of there's, there's growth there as opposed to just you know running in one direction yeah. and then next book running in the other way Because on, if you strip away all the monsters and the demons there are real people underneath and that's what the kids latch on to I, th- I think they have to they have to feel that even if the world is completely bizarre and ridiculous and the adventures are ridiculous that yeah. they have a connection with the characters at the heart of it yeah. otherwise it just it, you know so that connection won't be there at all yeah. 
It's fair to say I would think that the three of us do kind of boy-centric books. Now, I did the Artemis Fowl books to try and get boys to read because I was a teacher at the time and I just couldn't. Uh, and it's just like a byproduct that it, they sold, which I'm very happy about. Um, so would you agree that it's harder to get boys to read, Shane? What do you think? Yeah, uh, it probably is to an extent. More, more as they get older, yeah. I think they tend to fall away yeah. older. One of the things that upsets me is, and, and I, I, I don't know the answer to why this is, but boys, and I remember somebody saying it very early on to me when I, when I first started writing, boys don't read girls' books. Girls will read boys' books. Mm. Yeah. Boys will be immediately turned off by the idea that there's a, uh, you know, that if it's girl-centric or the cover is too girly. And I would have, uh, mm. I have a very strong girl character in my books in yeah. Emmy and I really see the two of them as being the heroes. But it's still the nature of this world. It tends to get marketed at uh, at boys. Yeah. I was delighted when the uh, the Korean edition came in of the second book, Worlds Explode, in lovely pink. Yeah. And they would never think of putting a book for boys in pink, no. unfortunately. And... So I don't know. I don't know where sometimes it's coming from. I don't know whether it's it's. Uh, I, but I don't think we're helping it. In no. that there are so many. I always think Holly Smell's Geek Girl books are just yeah. so amazing, and I would love boys to read to yeah. read those more. It, yeah. We just have this problem, don't we? Where where boys don't read, even if they do read, they tend to read. I think in a more narrow way, and I don't think adults help. No. in that. No, they tend to buy the prescribed books, but. Um, Liz, you definitely have a big mixture of uh, boys and girls. I've, I've been, I've seen your cues, and it seems about fifty-fifty. I mean, I know boys love them, but girls also love Tom Gates. Yeah, I was really keen that you know I wanted to. Although I was writing a boy character, I mean, he's pretty much based on me as a kid, and I wanted that. I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to put lots of creative things in the books as well, because I wanted. I and I was very keen for the covers to be very sort of non-specific and just make it so that boys and girls would be able to pick the books up and really want to read them. But, you know, I had the same thing as well because I hadn't got a track record about writing books in the past. You know, I think there was, you know, originally I was an L. Pichon on the cover and it's that slight thing as well. (laughs) If you get, you know, women writing for boys, that you know, you just, I think the publishers have quite a tricky time. They don't want anything to stop the books from being placed in the wrong place in the shops and, you know, or people just making assumptions about the book. So they just try and take away as much of that as possible. And I was like, okay, that's fine, you know. But, now, but you know, see, I get now, my name on it now. now I and I love yeah. the fact as well that when I used to turn up at schools, the boys would be completely confused and they'd say, what, you write the books? Like, where's <laughs> where's Elle? <laughs> yeah, or no, just because, you know, they just assumed that it was a, yeah. a man that was writing them. So, and I'd turn up with my shoes and yeah. nails and all the rest of it. Not so anymore. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows now. Um, so how many do you think will Tom go... Will you go on for a while? I think is this number twelve you're on at the I'm moment. I'm actually doing book fourteen at the moment. Wow! I know. I think it really. It, it, as long as I've got enough ideas, I'm not repeating myself too much. And you know, really, it's whether the kids are enjoying them and whether I, I think I've got enough of a story to tell, and I can keep coming up with different ideas. At the moment, it seems to be, you know, we're going into different areas. I'm trying to, I've done lots of drawing and doodling and now we've got lots of music involved in the books as well. And that's taking it off in a different direction. So that's given it a little bit more longevity. And and now when I go on to, I've I've got a band that comes with me as well. But that's another thing I thought was great. I'm phoning my publisher directly after I leave here. (laughs) I want a band. 
Um, my <laughs> guests are staying with me, uh, but Children's Books Ireland launched a new project in March called Bold Girls. Its aim is to install confidence in girls and young women by showing them female characters in children's books, characters with agency, power and opinions. CBI has published a reading guide with almost 200 books which feature strong women and girls for readers aged 0 to 18 years old. A number of events and exhibitions are planned for the year. To find out why this is necessary and to hear more about Bowl Girls, the book show went to St Mary's Primary School in Dublin. I really want to be a scientist when I grow up. I want to be a builder when I grow up. I'd like to be a lifeguard when I grow up. We're here today celebrating women and especially girls. And you'll see from the posters over here, the Bold Girls posters, celebrating girls in books. Frida Kahlo was born in Mexico. Just by looking at her, you could see she was special. When she was at school, she got really sick. The illness made her legs as skinny as a rake. I'm Kim Hart. I am Publications and Projects Manager for Children's Books Ireland. Bold Girls is an initiative by Children's Books Ireland that's all about promoting, highlighting and celebrating brave, strong, intelligent, interesting female characters in children's books. Chapter 1. The Ballerina. It is a chilly night in December. I stand backstage wearing leg warmers and a sweatshirt. But I'm still shivering. So the campaign basically consists of a reading guide, which has nearly 200 recommended books going from zero right up to 18. Non-fiction, fiction, picture books, classics, all featuring interesting female characters with agency and with opinions. We also have a resource pack that's available for schools online. And there's an academic pack as well. So it's kind of a multifaceted campaign. Princess Magnolia was having hot chocolate and scones with Duchess Wake Tower. The hot chocolate was hot. The scones were sweet. The breeze from the window was warm and wishy. So we're going to start with some monsters, so I'll need some help with it. We're going to do a bold girl monster. I'm Neve Sharkey. I'm an author and illustrator, former laureate Nanog, and a bold girl. How many eyes might my monster have? So do you want to give me an idea? Yes. I think the Bold campaign is really important because it celebrates strong, confident girl characters in picture books, not only as authors and illustrators, but also for children, both boys and girls, to just see them, that they're visible, and also to celebrate them as well. And I think it's just if you have females and girls with strong personalities, and bold can be lots of different things. Bold can be quiet, bold can be confident, bold can be brave. So it can be all those different things, but it's bringing it all together in one campaign. Bold girls can fix Things. Bold girls can solve mysteries. I think bold girls, when something's like missing, they can like figure out where is it. And thanks to everyone who spoke to us for that report. More details about bold girls can be found on CBI's website, childrensbooksireland.ie. I am still joined by the best-selling children's writer Liz Pichon, also the author of the popular series of fantasy books Darkmouth by Shane Hegarty. Meeting readers is a big part of any writer's job, and I know that you're both busy with events in schools. 
And what kinds of things do you learn about your books when you meet your readers? Can I ask you that one first, Shane? So when you're faced with the the Finn fans, what oh, do you find out? I'm lucky. I'm going to be away now for the next week touring in, in England. Um, and I just so look forward to it. And it's not just the people who read Darkmouth, but often, yeah. you know, the kids who haven't. And, and I've no issue at all with going into rooms full of kids who, yeah. who don't know anything about them. But what you get back for me is because I'm writing for, you know, notionally eight to 12 year olds would be sort of the, the age group that you'll find me in the bookshops. It's the freedom that I kind of need when I'm writing. And you hope you can have when you're writing a book that's ridiculous, scary, has jokes, scary bits, um, all of those things in together. And uh, is is they give you that freedom to do that. I think that that age, I, th- I think especially... I do wonder and worry what we do to kids when they get to secondary school, but certainly primary school age, yeah. they're just incredible. They don't, they're not, they're not as self-conscious. Uh, they're so free with their questions and uh, their opinions. They will laugh out loud yeah. uh, like no other audience will do. And they'll get involved. And, and so it gives me a freedom to go back into my own office and sort of sit there on my own and then try and kind of put these stories together knowing that if it makes sense and if if the plot works and the characters are interesting, you can kind of go off in all sorts of crazy directions. Yeah. And I don't think there's enough of that in adult no. literature, uh, which is why I think a lot of adults really enjoy reading kind of uh, books for younger readers. But yeah, definitely that freedom. That, yeah. That's the thing. And it sort of charges me up then to go back and, and, and I, keep doing it. I would agree with it. that. It gives you a real boost, doesn't it? Yeah. Liz, do you dread these events or do you absolutely love them? I feel you might love them. I do now. <laughs> <laughs> were you? Oh, were you out with the rescue remedy before? That was me, before the event. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's because you know when you are an illustrator, particularly, and you know I've started doing writing, but it's not something that you ever really thought about. I mean, I started off doing very small picture book events, but the first time I ever did a Tom Gates book event, you know, I remember my hand was shaking so much when I did the drawings. I had to put the pen down, and you know, it's also that you know, it's like it's you you have to find a way to connect with people and to connect with the children and actually realising that they're so enthusiastic and I completely agree with Shane you, when you go into schools you forget about the enthusiasm that children have for books and they all want you you know they just want they know more about the books than I do and um, the way that they know all the characters and they they seem to have you know they they really they're so passionate about the stories and they're desperate for you to sort of they want to find out all kinds of things about the books and it's also that weird thing that you spend such a long well I spend such a long time on your own like creating them that actually when you see them the children reading them it gives them a a completely new life and they pick out things that you might not have expected um, for them to know about you know or particularly the drawing and the doodling as well I love the fact that the kids have they they come to the events and they show me all the, the projects that they've done. And I get an awful lot of parents um, and teachers and children saying that how the books have helped reluctant readers particularly. I think that's true of both of you, actually, that uh, you, you've really opened up literature uh, to reluctant readers. I'll, I'll put you on the spot with a, both of you with a question. Um, do you have, because we all get these strange questions, do you have one favourite hilarious question that you got over the last few years? That you will never, that you will never forget, that you can repeat on radio. I, I got, a, I, the, the strangest one was. There's, there's one that comes up regularly. There's one that's only come up once, which is, do you have a moustache? 
which was in a room full of, I think there were 500 in a theatre in Glasgow. <laughs> Do you have a moustache? Which I realised actually, if you, I don't, I didn't know because it's very yeah. hard to tell if you have a moustache. Yeah. Uh, you can't really see it. The one I get asked a lot, and I always feel so sorry when I, when uh, I've, because uh, you know, I don't want to be promising anything that I can't do is, can I be in your next book? Oh, yeah. And I get that a lot. Uh, can you put my name in your next book? And um, the last thing you want to do, because it's usually at the very end, yeah. is to send a, a young uh, kid off thinking, you're going, no, of course not. That's a ridiculous thing. To yeah. But uh, but I do love taking uh, unusual names and seeing yeah. if I can fit them in. But that I get that a lot. Can I be in your next can book? You, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Liz, what have you... I get asked how old I am sometimes as well. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a regular. And I've made the mistake of saying, well, how old do you think I am? If it's in the 30s or something, I'll go, yeah, OK, that's fine, I'll take that. But I have been told 86 once as well. And the tricky one is, like, how much money? Are you rich? How much money do you make? That's always a tricky one as well. Kids, you know, once you're over 25, you're almost dead. So, you know, <laughs> why don't you just lie down and accept it? <laughs> Well, thank you both for joining me here. It has been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. The 14th book in the Tom Gates series by Liz Pichon will be published in May. It's called Tom Gates, Biscuits, Bands and Very Big Plans. And it will be published uh, by Scholastic. The fourth book in Shane Hegarty's Dark Month series is called Hero Rising. And it was published last year by HarperCollins. A fifth is in the making and Shane is not telling us if the fifth is the last or not. He's been uh, he's been t- very tantalising. Now, the breadwinner is Ireland's latest impressive animation from Cartoon Saloon. It's adapted from a book of the same name, published in 2000, written by Deborah Ellis. It was nominated for Best Animated Film at this year's Oscars. The book show spoke to the film's director, Nora Toomey, at this year's Audi Dublin International Film Festival, and she told us about the original novel by Deborah Ellis and why she was inspired by it. When I was young, Paduana, I knew what peace felt like. Stories remain in our hearts even when all else is gone. Paduana? Were you listening at all? Yes, Papa. Why is this girl not at home? She should cover herself properly. Maybe you should stop looking at her. I can have you killed! The Breadwinner by Deborah Ellis is a story about a young girl who's growing up in Afghanistan during the Taliban regime. During that time, women and young girls weren't allowed outside without a male relative with them. So when Parwana's father is arrested and taken away, her family are left with no one to provide for them. They literally can't even go to the marketplace without somebody to accompany them. So Parwana cuts her hair and dresses as a boy in order to provide for her family. Parana's 11 years old, um, so she's just on the cusp of adolescence. Her father has been educating her in the marketplace because, again, young girls and young boys at the time wouldn't have had a huge amount of access to school. So her father uh, spends his time in the marketplace just telling her about the history of Afghanistan and the culture of the country. If there are women present, cover yourselves now! Where is he being taken? To prison. I think for a young girl like Parwana, the way that Deborah writes is incredible. She has everyday challenges. She has to go and, and get water. The, the water that the family consume every day is brought by Parwana, bucket by bucket, to the, the house that they live in or the room that they live in. 
What's unusual about the way that Deborah writes is that she normalizes extraordinary circumstances. So for me as a reader, listening to what Piranha goes through every day is really extraordinary. You know, you wonder how somebody like that stays sane, I guess. But Piranha normalizes it. You know, it's, it's just her day to day. She knows nothing else, you know. I think the way that Deborah brings challenging subject matter to children is really refreshing. You know, she doesn't talk down to children. She doesn't uh, belittle them in any way or take for granted what they do or don't know. You know, she is at the level of a child when she writes, you know. This is a book that lots of children read with their parents or with their teachers as well, you know, so it's part of a larger kind of experience of understanding uh, what life is like for children in different parts of the world. So it's something that you can be introduced to in a way that's quite supportive, you know, and quite responsible. And that's what I really love about the way that Deborah is such a, an honest writer. You know, it comes from her heart. You really feel that she has no agenda beyond wanting to communicate something that's very pure, you know, the experience of a child. The opportunity to make a film about something as extraordinary as a young girl like Parwana isn't something that presents itself very often. So in independent film, it's something that we had the opportunity to do. It's something that we could find co-producers around the world who also wanted to tell a story like this. It w didn't come from a commercial place. It didn't come from a merchandising place. You know, it came from just wanting to tell this story. And I think the idea that we could take what Deborah had begun with her book, with her novel, what she had expressed, and to try and express it for a different medium was something I couldn't pass up. You know, I thought it was an incredible opportunity and one I'm glad I took up. Well, thanks to Nora Toomey for that. The breadwinner will be in Irish cinemas this May. That's it for this evening. Thanks to all my guests this evening and to everyone who spoke to us on the show. The series producer is Zoe Cummins and tonight's producer is Regan Hutchins.